It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Yes, indeed he is, and a pleasant, pleasant Tuesday to you. Welcome back to a mildly truncated work week here for a Tuesday, coming up on the backside of the President's Day holiday. Trust uh, you enjoyed it. Wow, windy out there, eh? What a way to spend the day. If you were at the beach, I have uh, great sympathies to extend towards you. In any event, we are back into a week, and of course, lots of exciting things to cover, much going on in the world of news. While we might have enjoyed it a bit of rest over the three-day holiday weekend, certainly the big political machine in Washington, D.C. continue to churn as we see more indictments handed down in the Mueller investigation. And an opening, I think, a broadening of questions related to foreign influence in our elections uh, to the point where, as you know, on the heels of the 13 individuals, whoops, told my bookie never to call me here. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> we, uh, we've got a case here with a growing number of uh, individuals on top of the list of the 13 indictments handed down late last week to the 13 Russian nationals, um, questions now branching out into other areas, including an indictment today that goes to the point of lying related to the investigation itself. It seems like you're starting to need, um, I don't know, one of those big chalkboards or you've seen those uh, boards with the yarn string and the post-it notes. If you think you need that to keep track of everything, I tell you what, you've come to the right place. Dr. Gerard Lemiero is going to join us. He is a noted author, economist, and an expert in presidential election campaigns, analytics, and forecasting political events. He will join us for some analysis tonight and try to make sense out of what's going down in Washington, D.C. That's coming up a little bit later on in tonight's program. We lead off tonight with a focus on an area that, you know, for a long time, um, the pro-life community, um, I think, had been frustrated because we dealt with multiple administrations that did not value life and that seemed content with vetoing measures, even passed with bipartisan support, that would put further restrictions on abortion for sex selection, second trimester abortions, um, certainly some of the more heinous methodologies used medically to induce abortion. And now that we have an opportunity to gain some real ground here, let's talk about how far we have come and how much further we need to go. Brian Johnston joins us, Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee. Brian, as always, great to have you with us on the program. Let's lead off first with a bit of your sense of analysis. Uh, over the last couple of years, we have followed stories concerning uh, baby body parts being for sale through Planned Parenthood, the indictment of um, some pretty heinous uh, criminals out there, people masquerading as doctors that were engaging in abortions, um, such as the, the physician, quote-unquote, out of uh, Philadelphia, and many others. So it, it seems as if we've made some good progress in some areas. Um, talk to us a bit about your sense of where we're at today and how far do we need to go. Well, Craig, yes. there's. Uh, I'm glad you put that that way because we have had victories at times. It's difficult in California to recognize that. We've done a very tough state when it comes to to the state legislature, and yet in spite of that, because pro-life folks have been willing to take action at the right time and the right places, 
we've had some some pretty good victories. The Assembly Bill 775, which was a real blow to free speech for crisis pregnancy centers, because we stood and continued in the fight, there were several court cases. California Pro-Life was involved in one of them that ultimately did overturn that, and that brought the case to the U.S. Supreme Court. I'm pretty sure that the U.S. Supreme Court, because of of Justice Gorsuch, there's, it's very likely that that's going to be overturned because that is an oppressive law that says that pro-life counseling centers must promote abortion. It's just absurd to have forced government speech. So while that was that was difficult to see happen because of the makeup of our legislature, because we stay in the fight, we can have victories. Uh, I should tell you this real first, uh, first, Craig, is that I'm actually on Facebook Live. We've been talking about KFAX, AM 1100, the, the, the light of the San Francisco Bay Area, and uh, your ongoing work in equipping folks to understand the battles that we're in, the spiritual battles, the battle of ideas. And, and one of the things we're focusing at now in this election year, there's a tendency to look to the highest offices as being the ones that are important. And of course they are. They're very, very important. But we forget the gift we've been given in a participatory republic. Uh, a democratic republic says we elect representatives at every level. So that means it isn't just the governor. It isn't just state assembly and senate. It isn't just Congress. It goes all the way down to your local school board. That's really the smallest and the most accessible level you can impact, and that's an important level. Planned Parenthood targets our schools. It's the school boards that are going to determine whether or not children are released without parents' knowledge or consent. It's the school boards that make very important decisions. That is actually a law-making body. Those are lawmakers. They're making the laws for that district, and you can impact that if you prepare now. These elections, many of them will happen in June, and I know this happens. Because it's happened to me, to be honest. And that is, there's a big election coming, and so-and-so is running for Congress, and everybody knows about it. That's what's in the TV. That's what's in the news. And you go to vote, and then you see there's all these other offices. And you don't know who on earth these people are. And many times, you'll vote because of what their job description is, or you like their name, or maybe you saw a flyer and it came in the mail, and she was pretty, or he was handsome. And that sounded nice, those phrases, and that you know nothing about their specific policies. California Pro-Life, with the state affiliate of the National Right to Life Committee, we want to equip you locally so you can understand who those candidates are. If you are involved now, we'll show you how to do that, how to find out who's running. Some of them still haven't decided. It's going to be decided soon. Many already decided. There might be people you know running for school board, for city council. There are some cities, Sacramento was one, that city council funds were going directly into Planned Parenthood. Well, you know, the other point here, too, that I think it's important to remind listeners of, and that is that there there is a ladder here. These are stepping stones in the yeah. process of advancement through uh, the political chairs, so to speak. Uh, nobody starts out, at least none of the successful ones, generally speaking, start out by running for United States senator. No. A lot of these people, if you research their backgrounds, you'll find out that they began as 
a member of the school board. Then they moved on to the local city council. Then they became uh, chairman or uh, a member of the county board of supervisors. Then they moved on to a state assembly or a state senate seat and then eventually ran for maybe House of Representatives and later Senator. There are a number of people that we could name right here. Camilla Harris, uh, Senator for California. Dianne Feinstein. Let's be reminded, Dianne Feinstein was just simply a member of the Board of Supervisors and was virtually, outside of San Francisco politics, unknown until the assassination of George Moscone. So being mindful that it's not just a matter of thinking, well, gee, you know, how much influence really on pro-life issues uh, could the school board have? Well, not only is the answer a lot, but more so in terms of looking at these various seats and positions as sort of stepping stones along the way to positions of high authority and high accountability and high influence to pro-life matters, they are all critically, critically important. So suddenly then your thinking shifts from just looking at the big picture, big seats. So we think about the senators, we think about members of the House, we think about certainly the president of the United States. Nobody thinks about anything lower, not realizing that with very few exceptions, most all of these people began at the low level and worked their way up. We're going to pause on that point, come back to more of our conversation. Brian Johnston is with us today, Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee. We are mentioning these things now because we, of course, are in an election year. Midterms will be coming up this November and a lot of these local seats as well. Let's take a time out, get back to more of our conversation in a moment. Right now, though, an update on traffic for you. Michael Bennett's got the latest in the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're talking about some of the challenges and, quite frankly, some of the victories that we've seen in the pro-life movement over the last many years. Of course, we've seen some situations where... The court system needed to get involved, most notably Little Sisters, the Hobby Lobby case, um, and others that we are aware of, up to and including these discussions that we've had concerning the issue of trying to force women's clinics, pro-life centers, to basically put promotional materials out, post signs, indicating that women can receive abortions free through the state, et cetera, et cetera. It's nothing more than a... PR campaign, certainly for the, the, the pro-abortion side. But what we're learning is that it's a matter of some of the battles being fought in the courts, some of the battles being fought within the culture, some of the battles being fought certainly in the political arena. And we're visiting today with Brian Johnston, Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee, about that very issue of the political arena. And, Brian, sometimes we we talk to people, I run into this all the time, that say, well, you know, Craig, I'm with you. I understand completely what you're saying about many of these uh, critical pro-life issues, and they, they, they believe strongly in life. They, they stand with those that do, but then they say, oh, but you know, I, I don't like to get involved in politics because it's kind of, it's got a bad name and a bad reputation, and I'd rather just, I'm just going to pray that God will, uh, will work through all of this. Is there some short-sightedness in that approach? Well, sure, especially in the book of James, it underscores that, um, that actions uh, if actions are lacking, then prayers are, are often just words, if, if you're not applying yourself to that. So faith without works is dead, and uh, James goes into quite a length about that. But that's not what I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you that regardless of your, your theology, 
this is an objective reality that that the right to life is not based on my feelings or on my opinions it's based on an objective fact on self-evident truths we hold these truths to be self-evident and the facts show that that's a human child and we also know that the laws of our nation are, are built on the laws of nature and of nature's God and and the founders didn't go into further theology. They just said, hey, somebody made this, and it wasn't the government. But the government does have a job, and it's to protect the lives of those that can't protect themselves. Now, our founders said that. They based it on self-evident truths. So if you're an American citizen, and particularly if you're listening to Christian radio, if you're a Christian American citizen, then you've got a responsibility to apply yourself to this great gift. You know, we were told that we've been given a republic, if you can keep it. That's what was said in 1776. That's the gift we were given. And it's a unique, the American experiment in freedom can be lost. Ronald Reagan said that. It can take just a generation if people don't understand the gift you've been given. All politics is local. So back to the school board situation, you're concerned about Planned Parenthood and what it does, and yes, thankfully we have a president who's now addressing that. But to really address it, you must address it. This is your government. And so that local school board decides how they view Planned Parenthood. They make policy decisions, and you hold them accountable if you're willing to, if you're willing to take that extra effort. So California Pro-Life Council has questionnaires for every level of local and county politics that you can ask people who are running. This is the time to ask. Some people are still deciding whether or not they're even going to run. I've had legislators tell me, pro-life legislators, tell me that they knew nothing about the issue before they ran for office. They got involved in politics for other reasons, and then they got our questionnaires. And as they read the questionnaires, they were stunned to know that Planned Parenthood was performing secret abortions. They were stunned to know that our tax money was paying for those abortions. So this is a uh, an educational process as well. This is a, a situation, let me take care of this. This is a situation that if people are informed locally, and when you go to vote, you know, someone is going to be elected in June to your school board. Someone is, whether you like it or not. So these are issues that are coming at us, and this is actually, history is coming at you. Some people, well, I'm going to do pro-life work. I think on uh, on May 8th, I'm going to go and hold signs on the street corner. I'm going to do all this pro-life work that I'm going to make up and do stuff. That's activity. And I'm not saying that's bad, but there's a difference between activity and accomplishment. Because in June... There will be an election. Someone will hold that office for your city council, for your school board. And if you haven't taken the time to find anything out about them, it doesn't matter. Someone will be elected. That's what we've been given. We've been given, you might say, a destiny as American citizens. Someone is going to be elected to these offices. And if we don't care, well then, 
that's what happened. Now, one if of the big questions care, that a lot of people yeah. have, Brian, is, okay, so I, I get the fact that I have an obligation or responsibility to be engaged, to be involved. But then for some of these, quote-unquote, minor offices, it, it's difficult oftentimes to ascertain, well, where exactly do the candidates stand on these issues so that we can make an informed choice at the ballot box to know essentially what kind of an agenda that they are bringing with them, what kind of a moral position or viewpoint do they have so that we're certain as we're voting for somebody on the quote-unquote lowly school board, and I'm not saying that in a pejorative sense, I'm just saying it from the from the political ranking sense. Some people see that as kind of the, the starting point. That's where you dip your toe in the water, you get a position on the school board. But for someone going in and getting elected to that position who eventually makes their way through the political chairs, and the next thing you know, we've gone from saying school board member to, uh, you know, Mr. or Madam Senator, how do we ascertain where they stand on this particular issue? That's exactly right, and that's why we're giving you this opportunity. California Pro-Life Council, and you can call our 800 number for your community. Call our 800 number, 800-924-2490. It's 800-924-2490. Give us your name, and, and we'll need your phone. We'll get back to you, and we'll get you the packet and how to find out locally where candidates stand, how to get specific commitments. As I said, I've had candidates, a state senator told me once, he came up to me and he said, Brian, it was because of your packet that I became pro-life. I did not understand. But when you asked those questions, just asking these questions of some of these people, it's informing them of the process. Now, Craig, you and I have spoken about this before. I actually am deeply concerned about a lot of social issues. There's many things that concern me, particularly here in California, things that things, things get strange in public policy. But we also have agreed on this. I know you feel this way. I do. That's why I do what I do. I believe that the bottom line issue facing our nation right now is the integrity of human life and the protection of innocent human life. It is the essential question that we're facing as Americans, and it gets clogged by all the other stuff, all the other issues that come, but that's a bottom line question. My experience has been if someone is willing to think deeply about what's at stake and make a commitment on life, that's a real good lodestar, a real good director of where the rest of their conscience is, what they're really thinking about. So that's why we focus, we're single issue, again, as I said before, we're single issue because it allows us to work with people of different denominations. Or maybe they're not. Or I, I just told somebody this. Uh, I'm, I'm not a LDS. <laughs> I'm not a Mormon. So that's not my theology. But what I have found, many Mormons are concerned exactly as much as I am about public policy. And they want to make sure that Planned Parenthood isn't going after their kids. And so if we have information that focuses on that, instead of my personal theology, we can bring a lot of votes for good people. And that's, and again, we mentioned Catholics. There's so many folks that do care about this issue. If we're willing to be involved in civics and look at the ideas that are being put into, because really what a law is, a law is just an idea that's enforced. And so we want people who think about good ideas for laws, and we want to be able to support them. So by finding out the questionnaires in your community, by asking candidates what their positions are, and then when we get the questionnaires back, we'll show you how to tell your friends who stands on what. We publish it, and we'll show you how to publish it locally. 
this is where the candidates stand on whether or not the city council is going to fund Planned Parenthood. This is where the candidates stand on whether or not the school boards are, are going to release children without knowledge or consent. These are important things that impact elections because that's why we've been given the civic – that's why we're Americans, so that we can impact elections. This is one of the greatest gifts we've been given. And if we forget that, if we think the newspapers are supposed to run it, or NBC and PBS, and it's just, it's just uh, Brian and Craig who run pro-life information. No, it's you. If you will just look a little bit deeper and ask the right questions of the right people, again, these elections are coming, whether we like it or not. Someone's going to get elected to your school board, your city council. It'll be either someone who really has been influenced by you and heard what you said, or maybe you never took the time to ask them, and so they don't know anything about the issue. And then Planned Parenthood is the one that sends them the questionnaires and the information, worded in that manipulative way to get money out of them. If we don't apply ourselves locally, we can't win in the bigger picture. So I'm excited that we have an opportunity. You know, one day soon, Greg, Roe will be overturned, and many states are ready. What Roe does, Roe does not allow states to protect babies. When Roe is overturned, states will again be able to do what they did before 73 and protect babies. We've got a lot of work to do in California, but the way you do it, all politics is local. And if you will just take a little extra effort, find out where folks stand, ask them the questions, you need to be equipped. I had to get equipped to understand these issues. It's not that hard. We want to help you do that, and you could call the 800 number for California Pro-Life, 800-924-2490, We'll get you information. With the state affiliate of National Right to Life, as you know, nationally, we do this in the congressional level. We want the people, we do this in the senatorial level. We want people going to Washington to protect innocent life. Well, I think the but other thing, too, to keep in mind, uh, Brian, is... We're watching right now this entire debate unfolding concerning outside influences of the national election level. And we've seen these indictments handed down, which we're going to talk about coming up in just a moment. Uh, Clearly that there are forces out there that have an agenda that runs contrary to many of the values that we as Americans hold dear from the constitutional republic that we have been handed, to the Judeo-Christian ethic upon which our laws are written, and and quite frankly, even the purpose or the motivation behind the founding of this nation. And yet we see that there are forces out there that wish to unravel all of this. And it's not just political influence from foreigners that wish to influence our Elections, but also political influence from people that have values that are very different from ours when it comes to the pro-life issue. So getting educated, getting involved is critically important because, as Brian has suggested, if you don't do it, somebody for sure is going to. More information, again, available. California Pro-Life Council at 800-924-2490. That's 800-924-2490. Let me urge you to act now and get information so that when the ballot comes, you know where the candidates stand at every level, school board, city council, county, state seats, so that you are electing the right kind of 
representation that represents your beliefs and your values. Our thanks to Brian Johnston, Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee. Again, the toll-free number to get your information at 800-924-2490. All right, 531 on the clock. Let's step aside here, get you an update on traffic. And then we come back, we're going to talk about the whole issue of foreign influence on U.S. elections. And we're joined by Dr. Gerard Lemiero. Right now, though, we're joined by Michael Bennett with a look at your Tuesday ride home from the KFAX Traffic Center. Hey, Michael. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. We're going to pivot now to the topic that, of course, has been of great interest as we are watching the indictments continue to flow out of Washington, D.C., related to the issue of foreign meddling in U.S. elections. Today was announced that Special Counsel Robert Mueller filed yet another charge in this Russian investigation, as Sharon Reed reports. The special prosecutor is accusing a Russian-linked attorney, Alex Vanderswan, with lying to federal investigators about his past conversations with Rick Gates. He's a former Trump aide indicted by Robert Mueller last year. Vanderswan allegedly lied to Mueller's office last November about when and how he communicated with Gates and another unnamed person. And he's accused of deleting emails that federal prosecutors had requested. Vanderswan is the son-in-law of a Russian billionaire and was with a prominent New York City law firm said to have been working on a report about an imprisoned former prime minister of Ukraine. Sharon Reed, NBC News Radio. I think the important lesson here is that uh, Mr. Mueller's office seems to be turning up the heat, not only in terms of calling out indictments against um, foreign nationals that had interest in meddling with our election, but even those that appear to have engaged in, well, what do we call it, uh, cover-up, um, obstruction of justice, uh, certainly in this indictment uh, handed down today, going directly to the heart of those that meddled with the attempt to try to get at the truth here by uh, Mueller and his investigative team, I think raises the specter of just how broad this is going. It also raises questions of not just Russian meddling, but the broader issue of foreign influence and what that means to the safety and security of our democracy. If it feels to you as if you need to have a big chalkboard or maybe post-it notes on the wall with yards and string to try and figure out the cast of characters and what belongs where, you have come to the right spot. We are privileged once again to have Dr. Gerard Lemiero join us on the program. He is a best-selling author, economist, and engineer. He's author of a number of best-selling books, including Renewing America. He is most notably known for his position as an expert in election campaign matters, analytics, and forecasting political and economic events, as well as economic growth modeling. And I suppose in some respects, Dr. Lamero, welcome again to the program, that we could have sort of forecast some of this, couldn't we? I mean, the, the notion of Russia wanting to, at the very least, um, uh, what's the phrase, turn a fire hose to the foundation of um, our democracy uh, certainly makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Well, yeah, and actually some of the things that have been happening I predicted months ago would happen, so I'm not real surprised about any of this, and I think it'll play out in, in a lot of the ways that I predicted before. And by the way, I'll, I'll just mention, since this is the week where it should hit Amazon, my, my newest book, More Great News for America, is supposed to, to go live on Amazon this week, so we're hoping that that has a, a good launch. 
All right, good to know, and we'll have to get you on one of these days uh, soon once it's up there to, to talk about the new book. Let me get your, your thoughts first, and, and then we'll have you kind of walk back some of the details here for people that are having a difficult time following the cast of characters. What do sure. you think about the word concerning the possibility that there might be a reversal in the Michael Flynn uh, plea deal? And, and, and is that even possible? I mean, can you yeah. go on record and swear an oath say that you're guilty, and then come back and say, no, I've changed my, ni- my mind and not be found in contempt of court? Yes, you can. Uh, my, I am not a lawyer. I am a modeler. You know, I, come, uh, I do forecast models, things like that, as you know. Uh, but <clears throat> from my knowledge of the law, of what I've read, uh, you can do that. And uh, you can do it, and you have to petition the judge to do that. But you can do it when there's been some sort of prosecutorial misconduct. And the thought uh, that we're seeing by just reading the news every day, it's an ongoing soap opera, is that uh, apparently the prosecutors didn't really think he, he lied. Uh, people like Peter Strzok, he had those uh, messages between him and uh, Lisa, uh, who was also working for Mueller, at the time, said they didn't think uh, Michael Flynn lied. Well, if he didn't lie, why did they indict him for lying in that that very uh, you know interview that they're having in question now? So, if there was some type of government misconduct, yes, of course, uh, the the indictment can be changed. And I think it looks like all the things are in place that will happen. Go, uh, Judge uh, Sullivan has ordered. Uh, Special Counsel Mueller to turn over all information to the uh, defense uh, to to protect Michael Flynn, and also they've asked for the information in camera. In other words, the judge uh, himself is going to review the information to see what he thinks. And by the way, this is a famous judge. He was involved in the Ted Stevens case where there was apparent prosecutorial misconduct, if you remember that case, the former senator from the state of Alaska. Yes, absolutely. And and uh, this judge has a fairness uh, reputation, but he also has a reputation for, for being firm. And so this will be interesting to see um, how he responds to the possibility of this plea reversal and, and ultimately how all of this plays out with the, the broadening cast of characters here. Now, so far we know that 13 Russian nationals have been identified and have had indictments handed down against them late last week. But the indictments also refer to other casts of characters so far unnamed. Do you get the sense here, Dr. Lomero, that we're, we're just beginning to kind of scratch the surface? Is this just the tip of the iceberg, in your opinion? Well, I follow it very, very closely because, I, you know, I keep track of the presidency and what's happening, and I'm already starting to forecast the 2020 election, presidential election. So I watch this very closely. And uh, I think actually... Uh, it looks like Mueller's running out of things. I mean, uh, you know, indicting uh, 13 Russians and three Russian companies uh, back in St. Petersburg who will probably never come to justice for such things as opening a PayPal account, uh, illegally using Social Security numbers and driver's licenses in the U.S. These are like relatively minor, like identity theft crimes, uh, you know, buying ads they weren't allowed to buy. Uh, but but at, at small numbers, I mean, there was, you know, a lot of money spent on the last presidential campaign. The amount the Russians 
spent is like the paper clip budget. I mean, they spent very <laughs> little money with very little benefit. I, I don't even know why. And, and some of it is, is almost laughable because we found out with those indictments that uh, the Russians, uh, one day in November after Trump was elected, they went ahead and tried to set up two different rallies, a pro-Trump rally, he is our president, and an anti-Trump rally, he is not our president. I mean, why bother to do something so silly as to put up two competing rallies? I mean, these people wanted to interfere, but I, I think it looked like the Keystone Cops. And so I think uh, it, it's sort of silly. I think this is petty. Uh, this uh, indictment today against the London attorney uh, in that, uh, he was cited for telling one lie, they think is a lie, if they really think it, and for deleting one email. I mean, I remember a certain person who ran for president that deleted 33,000 emails and is still not in jail. So why put somebody in jail for one email that was deleted? Well, and perhaps it's just trying to prove a point here, and, and maybe the deeper, oh, yeah. maybe the deeper revelation here, and I'd like to, to get you to opine on this as well. Maybe the deeper revelation here isn't so much um, evidence to suggest that the Russians had any any direct desire to to influence the outcome of the election insofar as getting their quote-unquote guy or gal, as the case may be, in the White House. I mean, if anything, you would think, well, were that to become public knowledge, that would undermine the authority of the president, particularly as it relates to foreign relations with the country in question, in this case, Russia. So I wonder, as we see evidence that they jumped into this even before Donald Trump was a declared candidate, for the presidency, that it had less to do with trying to select or influence the outcome of the election itself than to do what perhaps it did best, and that is to sow discord and to undermine the electoral process, to cast doubt, uh, and to create a political divide in our country. I think you're right. Uh, I think, in fact, the words from the indictment, which I read, mentioned about so discord you know they they wanted to cause trouble it started this particular effort of the russians uh started in 2014 and i remember uh trump walking down uh, or coming down the escalator in trump tower in june of 2015 you know he 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 became a candidate in june of 2015 this this started a year or so before that so clearly this was an ongoing attempt and it sounds like uh, from some of the evidence that for a while they were trying to mess up Ted Cruz's campaign and for a while they were trying to mess up Marco Rubio's campaign and then sometimes they were trying to mess up Hillary's campaign and sometimes they were trying to influence Trump's campaign adversely. So, I mean, they were just sort of like troublemakers, professional troublemakers. Should we indict them? Well, sure, if they did all this stuff, why not? I don't think it's going to amount to anything because who's going to come back uh, to go to jail in, in Washington, D.C. I don't think they're going to want to come back and face uh, Mueller and, and an indictment. No, certainly no one will spend any uh, even a minute in jail for any of this, but it certainly will turn up the heat in the way that companies like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram uh, accept um, ads 
in behalf or on behalf of certain candidates and positions. I understand that uh, Facebook, for all of its uh, investment in modern technology, is going to go back to one of the oldest means of communication we have to verify the legitimacy, at least insofar as making sure that uh, the people placing the ads are based here in the United States by sending them postcards before, (laughs) literally through the mail, to a U.S. address so that they can verify that they're actually based here as opposed to sitting in, you know, um, St. Petersburg or in Moscow. There's another dynamic to this that I want to explore a little bit deeper, and that is this question. A lot of people have presupposed that this is all about supporting Donald Trump and getting their man in the White House as if somehow that that was going to make any kind of a a real difference. And and, and perhaps we're missing a point here. Perhaps that's almost the red herring, like the red herring of, oh, the only reason why we went to war in Afghanistan or Iraq is because of oil. We've learned that not to be the case. So what is the real reason here? And it, it may spell perhaps... Um, some areas where we really as Americans need to rethink just how much we value our republic. Our conversation today with noted author Dr. Gerard Lemiero, and we'll continue right after this quick update on traffic. Swing over to the KFAX Traffic Center, get the latest for you here with Michael Bennett. Michael. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to The Conversation, visiting today with Dr. Gerard Lemiero. His new book, by the way, soon to be released on Amazon, More Great News for America. Did I get that right, Gerard? Yeah. Yeah, you did. I did. Okay, excellent. And uh, we're talking about the whole issue of the Russia probe. I think a lot of people, Dr. Lemiero, were hoping for some sort of evidence that there was collusion going on between the Trump campaign or or maybe even the Clinton campaign, although certainly there seems to be a little bit of nefarious activity on the, the Clinton side of the equation here. But I have to wonder, at the end of the day, does anybody really believe that we're somehow going to see the Russians successfully put their guy or gal in the White House? It would seem to me, as we started to suggest before the break, that the real point here is to try and further divide the country, get us angry at each other, sow discord, sow doubt over our political election. I mean, here we are, we talk about insecurity of elections now in America like we're some banana republic. Yeah, well, I think that's probably what they're trying to do. In any way they can hurt us, they would like to hurt us, because I think clearly we're considered their enemy. But, you know, we have to think broader than just Russia. We have to think about China. Uh, doing the espionage they've done in this country, apparently, from what we learn, and other countries as well. We have to think about uh, cyber security, and we have to think about uh, cyber espionage, and a lot of other things that are going on. Uh, one new area that very few people are aware of are, are fake videos. The technology is getting so good that you can have a speech of a leader uh, appear to be a true speech, but the whole thing be can be computer generated and, and sound and look real to where almost no one can tell the difference. So the kinds of technology driven issues that are out there, and this is one of them really, uh, have profound impact on us, and we need to start working hard to figure out how to deal with it. We also have to broaden our thinking in terms of, okay, we, we've narrowed down or or focused our concern on ads and postings on Facebook, things of this sort. And I get the fact that Facebook is a very influential platform. But then I find it strikingly odd that in 2018, while we're having this dialogue about essentially foreign influence on our elections, that in the United States, States of America, um, Russia Today, RT, their 24-7 cable news outlet that is broadcast out of Moscow, Putin Television, 
is distributed to 230 cable outlets in America that reaches more than 80 million households. That's not people, that's households. So who knows how many millions of people that are in that that 80 million household figure. And they're free to broadcast propaganda, uh, free to engage in yellow journalism, fake news, whatever we wish to call it. And nobody's called into question, how is Russia able to do this? I somehow doubt that Fox News has a 24-7 cable news channel in Russia that's broadcast all over uh, the former Soviet Union. Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, and that's true, and I have gone to RT. I've looked at their stories sometimes, and uh, it is quite remarkable. And and you have to wonder, why would they bother with this little uh, penny-ante kind of setup where they're trying to... uh, you know, put Facebook groups together that will be on one side or the other side of the presidential election when they've got that kind of clout. I mean, you can reach a lot more people with more substance than a few little Facebook ads. Where do you see all of this going in terms of, now I want to turn to to your real field of expertise, Doctor. Where do you see all of this going in terms of influence on the midterm elections? Uh, Obviously, Democrats would like to regain their foothold in the House and in the Senate. There are some that are very pleased in this country with the policies so far, deregulation, changes in tax law, et cetera, et cetera, that has been put into place by this president, and a lot of people that aren't very happy with all of that. Do you see all of this as it has unfolded so far with the indictments and the talk of, you know, the manipulation of the FISA court, surveillance on Carter Page, all of this that we've been discussing, how do you see that influencing the potential shift, maybe, in political power come November? I don't see any shift, uh, to be honest, because, believe it or not, most Americans, uh, increasingly, even maybe greater than 50 percent in some cases, are seeing uh, or coming up with the conclusion that the FBI, the DOJ, and the Democrats are out to get Trump. They don't see it as anything in reverse, like a Trump collusion against Hillary. So most of them see this as a lot of uh, attempts to bring down the Trump administration. And for the most part, Americans are generally happy with uh, their bonuses they got from corporations after the tax cut. Uh, they're happy with their, their home prices increasing when they're trying to sell their homes. Some people trying to buy homes might find it a little more difficult. But, but basically, the economy is going up. Most people recognize it. And when you don't have a, a real war going on, if you go back to what I wrote a couple of decades ago, the 10 laws for winning presidential elections, uh, one of them has to do with the fact that the economy and warfare are the two, peace and prosperity are the two big things that elect people uh, to the presidency, but also influence the congressional midterm elections. And we have essentially peace. Uh, North Korea hasn't launched a missile against us, fortunately. And uh, in terms of prosperity, the economy, generally speaking, has done quite well. And uh, this particular thing is like a third, a tertiary type factor, but it's actually very small because it plays into uh, the Republicans' hands, not the Democrats. This is very so true. The idea that we saw for a while, you know, Democrats won a couple of elections and they saw this blue wave coming. There's no blue wave coming at all. Well, no, and in fact, if anything, like, for example, you point to the economy. I just read a uh, survey today that indicated a new poll out that says that uh, the initial feelings of about 37% approval of the um, tax cut deal, now that's jumped up to 51%. And at the end of the day, you know, even though there are recognizably a lot of people very frustrated with the president, 
I think a lot of that frustration has to go with uh, the way he does business in terms of, of what he says or how he says it. And uh, I had one commentator on this program some time ago say, Let, let's cut through all the red tape and get down to this. Don't listen to what he says. Pay attention to what he does, because there indeed is where the real deal making takes place. Well, that's true. And some of his uh, outrageous tweets are based on his uh, particular negotiating style. You take a, a, you know, a big position on one side and you force the other people to come closer to you. So part of it's a little bit of a strategy on his part. But part of it is a trend that I saw in the electorate in 2016 that is continuing. And that trend is the general patent trend. The American people in 2016 wanted a general patent. Somebody who was very tough, who would take on the media, take on the Democrats, because they thought the other party was basically wimping out on them all the time. They, they voted to get some conservative policies in place. They voted to get rid of Obamacare, for example, by big margins in 2010, and they never got it repealed. So they were looking for somebody who was going to go out there and fight. And so Trump is actually making a lot of the... Uh, uh, his his support quite happy because he's giving the fight and bringing the fight to those people. Yeah, uh, undoubtedly so. So at this point then, insofar as what is emerging out of the Mueller investigation, uh, you, your sense there's probably not another shoe, not another big shoe waiting to drop? I think you may see a couple of little moccasins drop, <laughs> you know, but no big shoes. And I think that uh, this particular investigation is short-lived. I, I don't see it lasting even six months. Well, and some said from the very beginning that there wasn't a lot of there there, and certainly what we've seen so far in the indictments, you would think if they're going to go after anybody, they're going to go after the big names and get the big splash right out the gate, uh, particularly in an election cycle year. That hasn't happened so far, and as nope. Dr. Lemiro suggests, uh, 13 indictments against 13 Russian nationals, nobody's gotten on an airplane from Moscow to come back to the States to face a U.S. court on that. Our thanks to Dr. Gerard Lamero for being with us today. His new book, More Great News for America, available soon through Amazon. We'll get him back to talk about that. You can get more information, by the way, on the web at greatnewsforamerica.com. That's greatnewsforamerica.com. All right, here at 6 o'clock, halfway point on today's show. We'll get you an update here on some headline news. But first, how about an update on your ride home this Tuesday from Michael Bennett, who's got the latest in the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael, what's up?